0: And welcome to another edition of Bears on Tap. Q, I am just, oh, I'm over myself today. And it's been a long couple days. I've usually had time to decompress, make sure I'm not overthinking anything. But before we get into any of this, I want to ask to you, how you doing, brother?
1: I'm doing as good as I can, man. As good as I can. That was a. Uh, that was the roughest birthday I've had in a while. My birthday is opening Sunday, and that was, you know, not what I was hoping for. It was a uh, well. If, if the whole weekend, because first, my Texas Tech Red Raiders let me down Saturday. Yes. Yeah, in a brutal ending. That did that, lost the cover and the under in the last like three minutes, which I had both. And then <laughs> the Bears do that to me Sunday. And then I realized I lost like three of my four fantasy football league games. It
0: was just like, I'm, I can't win. <laughs> Seems to be just rating. And like, I love opening Sunday. Let me just say, I think it's like a, a national holiday. For most of us, I love when the Bears are on at noon on October Sunday. Yes, yes. At least, <laughs> at least we didn't have to embarrass ourselves in front of most of the country on Sunday. Um, I wish it was at noon, but yeah. It, I'll say this: was at the game on Sunday. Everybody, different, different vibe, different electricity. Walking into that game was in the South Lot. Got there super early. Threw together a great tailgate. That's never the problem with these Bears games we go to. It's always great people. It's always great food. And then the games start. And before I lose my shit, I want to make sure I get give you the floor because you saw more than I did being, you know, on the on the broadcast there looking and watching. You you just do see more. I, I got I can speak more to like the feel of this game and and what was going on you know in in the crowd and things like that but what happened on sunday that's my that's my initial question to you what happened
1: the way i see it the bears thought it would be wise to play into exactly what green bay would want to do like i mean i the bears game plan seemed to be exactly what i thought green bay would want the bears game plan to be and as far as like They were, they played scared of the Green Bay's D line. It's the only part of the field where I thought Green Bay was more talented, was in the trenches. And that's exactly what they wanted them to do. Like they, uh, the Bears, I said multiple times, need to get a lead early. Bears don't get the lead early, they end up trailing early. And they're playing catch up, allowing Green Bay to just keep pounding the football on the ground and keep getting Jordan Love nice, easy passing looks and not actually ever put the game on his shoulders like that. That's what they needed. And that's what they got. So, I mean, basically it was what I was thinking worst case scenario for this game. It was probably thinking maybe 15 points less, but like it was this, it was, I, I thought the offense would still be able to score, but that was also assuming they'd be running, you know, if they needed to, running back to the offense that they had a lot of last year. And they didn't do that. They never really, really went away from what they, what the West Coast concepts they were trying to do. And there were issues with fields, reading the field and seeing, seeing the spots and not even seeing the spots. A lot of times he saw his eyes hit the spot. It was just pulling the trigger that, that stayed, you know, being an issue. And it's just,
0: you, I love the way you put it with, To me, when I sat and I watched that from from 152, it was just a lack of preparation. They had five months to prepare for this game. Five months. You know your opponent going into this. And you had plenty of time. And (laughs) I'm done with this whole talk that this is a rivalry. And you wrote a great piece about it. Head over to On Tap Sports check it out. It was it was essentially the the Friday of, of changed the the tune of this whole thing, bring it back to what it's supposed to be a rivalry where the teams hate each other because there's a question on who's going to win, and that didn't happen. And I'm 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 the most frustrated because it's not a matter of that they lost. It's the way that they continue to lose these games over and over and over again. It's the lack of discipline. It's the penalties. It's, it's the stupid mistakes that they make no matter who the quarterback is and who the coach is. It's, it's the same song and dance over and over and over again. And the Bears do nothing at the end of this whole thing than complain about everybody else but look themselves in the mirror and say, we're the problem and we didn't come ready to play. There's way too much talk in the media right now about the state of that locker room going into this game and how they just weren't ready to play, and it showed. They they weren't. They were out-coached. They were out-played. And that stadium had so much juice, pun intended name there a little bit, had so much juice and liveliness and electricity. I mean, there were people walking around in the south lot, high-fiving. Being like Green Bay sucks. It's our time to take this back. It's time to even this up. There's there's no chance that you know Jordan Love is gonna come into our place and push us around push push us around. Well, he did. Yeah, they absolutely did. The Bears got boat raced. And you would think they would get to the office and go, Yeah, we gotta be better. There's just too much talk of like, oh, I can't believe the fans are booing. I can't believe that you know we weren't, you know in positions to make plays that oh everything was so easy we watched the film and we're like man like we we missed plays we missed I, we don't want to hear it anymore like it, it just becomes this point of frustration that i i can't speak anymore about how this just isn't a rivalry anymore it's not and i will refuse to get up and get excited for these games until they prove me otherwise am i wrong to think that way i just it's it was embarrassing on sunday Embarrassing is, is the
1: word. I know I told you pre-show that I don't really care about the booing stuff and the drama, but what you just said kind of made me got something spinning in my head of like, man, you you want to see fans who are going to treat you like shit? Come to Philadelphia, you know? C- like, c- come, come see how quickly they turn on you in other places Chicago's about as friendly as a fan base as you can get. And when they're booing you, that should be a wake-up call. It shouldn't be a, a, a alarm that is like, man, they're 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 turning on us too fast. Man, it's been years. You know, it's been freaking years since the Bears have been relevant. Let alone good. Just relevant. And the fans put up with a lot of it. The fans are the fans sit here and take it with a smile on their face saying it's a rebuild, it's a redevelopment, just wait, just wait, you'll see. And it's, we you loose the Packers like this, the benefit of the doubt kind of goes out the window.
0: And there's nothing to lose for this team. Like, there's not one single fan or anybody who's been on this show that's been like, yeah, the Bears are Super Bowl contenders, right? There's no reason to play free, play fast, play excited. If they would have went out there on Sunday and been in a in an offensive scoring game and Justin's throwing the ball down the field and they're being aggressive and then they just get edged out because he makes a mistake here or there, whatever, we'd probably get on this show and go, man, it sucks to lose. But then again, like we saw so many great things. There's not many, and we were sitting in the pre-show, there's not many things that we, we came up with to talk about what was good that we saw on Sunday. And that's that's the most alarming, too, because you had all offseason to take this to the next level, and if that's what we're going to get, like, the less prepared, like, the lack of creativity. There's been a lot of videos that go out and talk about what they're trying to do on offense, and you just look at each other, and you're like, man, like, what are they trying to do? And that's alarming especially when you have a quarterback that you have to figure out if he's good or not. You absolutely do. So why not air it out? Be aggressive. And my first question to you, Q, is like, Luke Getzey, man, I need your – you being at home, and I'm sure you've watched tape already, and you've – what are we doing on offense? That's my first, you know, tidbit to you. I I need to hear what you think about it.
1: So I haven't watched that much. I watched parts of the Bears All-22 but um i was more focused on the bucks for next week as bill belichick says we're on to tampa bay (laughs) and the first video just came out so go check that out on youtube but from what i've seen and what i've like the first the first thing i noticed when i turned it on which is fun is uh that 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 newly minted cole commit in the first drive misses two run walks that was fun to see um and then or not misses, I guess. I mean, he hit him. He just couldn't sustain him. Couldn't, like, his form was all on, on the first one. He pretty much just threw his body at the guy, and it didn't work. And the second one, he just couldn't hold up on him. But aside from that, I mean, there's there are already breakdowns of Justin Fields missing missing throws, or not even missing throws. Seeing the, seeing the read and not pulling the trigger and electing to check down regardless, which is just, like, How does that happen? Like, this was a guy. You think back to his rookie year; he didn't have issues pulling the trigger. You know, there might have been issues process, like reading and finding the read. But it was like when he saw it, it was gone. There, there was no hesitation. There was no fear. It was just like, see it, boom, click, it's out. And now, if it, it feels like there's been regression in that category alone the last two years I feel like he's gotten better at at scanning the field he's gotten better at pot with his pocket presence and at so many things eh, accepting the check down but this game it felt like it wasn't accepting the check down it was deferring to the check down it was it was playing scared it felt like they were playing scared in so many facets facets of the game that's just so bizarre because that's not that's not Justin Fields game You know, you go back to college, you go back to Ohio State, you go back to his rookie year. He never looked scared of anything. And on Sunday, it was like they were so worried about turning the ball over that they were, it it felt like their game plan was Jordan Love will lose this game for us. We just got to make sure
0: we're not going to lose it. (sighs) That's, (laughs) and to go in to that game that way is just the losing mentality that I just screamed about five minutes ago. Go yeah. ahead and take it. That's that's the most frustrating thing about the Bears. It seems like they go into these rivalry matchups, rivalry in, in quotations, and they play, like you said, not to lose, unaggressive. They aren't creative. And at the end of the day, like Green Bay, just they just take it from you every time and push you around. And – To to have that game plan, when we sit here and and we know that their corners can make plays, we know that their linebackers can make plays, but the defensive line is a a very big question mark on this team. And to go in there thinking that you're going to be able to win defensively when you were one of the bottom ten in the league, like that's a hell of a – it's not the 06 – 85 Bears defense out there where, like you said, you can take those checkdowns. You can run the football and, and expect that if I score 20 to 28, I'm going to win. No, like that's just not what this team is.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like if they think this defense is good enough to play as vanilla as they are, I, I, I don't I, – know. I just – I'm lost. I'm utterly lost. Like, I mean, I I like the linebacking core. I like the talent of the secondary. A lot of it's unproven so far, uh, because you know they're young guys who just, you know, as a coach you gotta believe in them. I understand that, but like your D line talent is just not up to par. And to be playing the way you are with not much creativity and stunts, no games on the defensive line, you're not bluffing anything at the line of scrimmage most of the time. I mean, there were a few times they did, and I thought it helped but they didn't do much of it at all. And it was just like, what are we doing? We're just playing straight up straight up with them and letting them know what they're seeing is what they're getting most of the time. And that's not really working in today's NFL. That, that, that type of style just isn't, it's just, it's last year we saw them start blitzing. We saw them start simming pressures because they needed to. And I don't know what's changed on this defensive line, enough for them to say oh we're good we're good on that now
0: we don't need to do it anymore is that and 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 we mentioned only six pressures all game that's that's something that just can't continue i mean justin jones didn't even register a stat in this game he's the one who's opened up his mouth against the packers saying they're gonna feel me and whatever dumb stupid is that is that is it steam? Is it stubbornness? Is it not having the horses? Like what, what do you do if you're in that room today and you lost the way you lost? Like you got to figure out how to get to the quarterback. If not every single team is just going to carve you up. I don't care who's back there. Yeah.
1: I mean, what I do is what, what I just said. I mean, stunts, games, bluffs, simulated pressures like you need something more if you don't have the talent to win there you need the scheme to win there because it it, it won't get you all the way you know it, it won't bring you all the way up to what talent will but it'll get you closer and that's where the, like I mean the one sack that they did have That was a stunt. It was a really nice stunt. It was a slow-developing stunt because the talent isn't there to make it fast. But it got there because it's not like Jordan Love was sitting in the pocket ripping the ball as soon as he got it to the right read, you know? It's not like he was making it tough on you to get after him. It was just you're lacking the talent, and you were severely lacking in the scheme for this game and in the plan.
0: Yeah, I (laughs) – just – over and over again, for frustration on, on our end, I think, when you really look at this game. I want to talk about Justin Fields a little bit. And, and first, just get your initial reaction on what he did on Sunday. Very difficult situation for him, too. I mean, let's face it. The guys on the interior offensive line were god-awful on Sunday. I mean, it's, it's some bad, bad football we watched from the interior. And even the guys on the outside, too, with the penalties. Killing drives. Killing momentum over and over and over again. The offensive line had a horrible day for the most part, in my opinion. From where I sat and after watching some of the highlights, too, it seemed like Justin always had somebody in his his lap. But you mentioned earlier, like, there were plays to be made, and I just want your overall thoughts first and and just go into what you saw with Justin Fields.
1: Yeah, I mean, with Fields it gets – if this doesn't improve, it starts to get really weird, right? Like, it, it, we start to hit this point of, like, you've got your own first-round pick next year. You've got Carolinas, who's – they could only muster 10 points against Atlanta this week. And I mean, I like Atlanta as, like, a, a, a team that might be on the, like, on the rise and maybe a, a sneaky, like, six seed or something, but it's not like they're, they're a world-beater out there. Um, so you feel pretty good after week one about that Carolina pick, they'll get better, it's a rookie quarterback, he's gonna get better with every game. But I mean, you're thinking that pick can be top 15, maybe top 10. And if Fields isn't getting better with this, which I need to say, I think he will. I think some of this stuff will start to calm down. Like, I think there's chemistry quests, there's or chemistry things that need to come in. There's there's clearly adjustments the coaching staff needs to make to what their game plans are and how they're making them. But, like, I have no reason to believe Fields won't improve. But if he doesn't, I'm not – quarterbacks who haven't shown it or haven't, like, won don't often get fourth years. And, like, I think he will in some capacity. But, like, when you have those two picks where if he's not showing it, you're probably looking at a top 10 pick. You're going to have two top 10 picks in a very strong quarterback class. Like the, the analogy that I'm going to use is I, I was ripping the lions this off season. They had two first round picks. They had the capital to move up and go get their quarterback or trade backwards and get a pick for next year. If they wanted to attack the quarterback that way. And they just used both on non-quarterback positions and said, Jared Goff's our guy, which is fine, but like, I don't think that that is a Super Bowl winning strategy. I don't think Jared Goff is the guy who's going to get you there. And if Fields isn't improving ne- next year, you price it, and they're saying very similar questions. Is Justin Fields the guy who can get us there? We have the capital right now. Should we move backwards to make sure that we have the capital again next year, just in case? Or do we go get it now because this quarterback class is loaded up with. I mean maybe it's not for Caleb Williams who you know would be the dream but you have Drake May in there you have Shadur Sanders you got JJ McCarthy you have um Quinn Ewers like this is a this is a very talented quarterback class and it would be hard to have question marks on your quarterback with those picks and be saying we're going to stick with this guy I'm just laying out the case for like if stuff doesn't improve we're there really quickly
0: so quickly. And that's why I'm so mad of the game plan on Sunday. It, it, the The lack of aggressiveness, the check down screen game gets great. Like you should – that should be part of your offense. I said it on here. Running screens, and they ran a great one to, to Herbert earlier in the yeah, game. Yeah, the first one. Yeah, it was – yeah, right. And after that, it's like that should be – if that's your identity with a guy who you mentioned earlier, like at Ohio State – throws a great deep ball, has a great arm, can fit things in places that he's special. This is another thing, too, that I, you start to wonder, like, has the hype of all of Justin Fields being so damn running, being Lamar Jackson, thrown him off to the point where it's like he doesn't feel confident to throw the football? That's, that's a question, too, that you have to come in. Does he think that he can't make throws? because they've, they've in a lot of ways m- played with his mechanics and done a lot of different things in terms of like the offensive line being bad and people being in his lap. First of all, too, like you start to worry, like, are you seeing ghosts? Are you seeing things that aren't there? And that's what makes you double think and think about, you know, why he doesn't rip throws. Like we were talking about today, there were opportunities to be had, but like, if they're coaching him, to check down, check down, check down. Like, look once for a second if it's there, get the ball out immediately because last year you couldn't hit the five-yard. I don't want them to be an offense that throws short all the time. Like, be aggressive. This kid is good at doing that. And that's what, like, that worries me it's from the, what I watched last Sunday.
1: Old, it's old Bruce Harry saying no risk it, no biscuit. Like, you got it. You need to go for it. Go for big moments, go for big plays, go for, I mean, you don't always have to be Arians going for, you know, the 40 yard bombs constantly, but. Yeah, we're not looking for Mike Mark's
0: seven step drop every single play. No, but yeah, they didn't open up the field until it was base defense and they were down, you know, three scores at that point.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was hard to believe. It it honestly was like you're looking at a team that has superior quarterback talent, superior, superior skill position talent. We have seen quarterbacks in this league succeed behind subpar O lines with this good of skill talent or marginally worse, like at least especially succeed up to the bar that they did, like far surpass it. And yeah, sure. Justin Fields might not be Joe Burrow out there eliminating everything pre-snap and finding his spot before, like, as soon as the ball's in his hands and with the quick release, just get boom out. But there has to be something better than what we were seeing. Like, I, I it's it, – it's – I'm just left speechless by thinking about the, the prospect of Fields not having worked out here if that's where it ends up because it's – and again i'm hoping that's not where it's ending up i don't think that's where it will end up yet but the thought has entered my mind after that game and that's the first time it truly entered my mind and it, it's just hard to hard to
0: even believe it is because you start, and we said in the pre-show you start to wonder like when when are you hitting these roots it, it, they got it's got to be soon like you said to and just around out on fields, I think we we can move on after this. But you got to figure out what you have. Like you said, you, you you gotta know at the end of the season what you got to do, what the plan of action is, and if you believe in him or not. You just have to. I,
1: I feel like at part. some point someone put a governor on his arm, and said you can't go over eighty miles an hour anymore, and it's just like rip that thing off. You know, like and, you just gotta go play play football.
0: And that's what worries me because, I don't know, and this is maybe just my opinion on football and you know, all sports in general, I think coaching is, is huge, and football in, in its own right is probably more important than a lot of sports. You can you can win from preparation in football often. And I just – this to Lugetzi, to fluce to the defensive – side of the football you just start to wonder like do they even have the staff to even move things forward with this guy or with anybody that they bring in and that's what like I think the most frustrating part of Sunday and you leave you're just like man like there's so many questions and there's so many like this is what the coaching staff came up with that you just you're like how like, you're baffled by the fact that, like, if they, like I said earlier, if they would have taken chances and Fields throws picks, I'm fine. At least you know at the end of it that you, you put him in a spot to show what he can do and, and to find it out. But this is just – that that game plan was just absolutely crap on Sunday. So – It, was, it if, was awful and no excuses for it.
1: So we – We saw a really similar game plan the first game against Green Bay last year. And it was like, okay, it's only week two, you know, new offense. There's going to be kinks. And then beyond that, in the second game against Green Bay, we saw them essentially take the football out of field's hands at a lot of points. And it was like, okay, they're tanking. They're trying it number one. We get it. If they weren't tanking, which it's starting to really feel like they weren't, there should have been alarm bells all over the place about what the coaching staff was doing last year. Like, I mean, it was easy to brush it under the rug of their tanking and whatever they want. Number one, overall, it's going to, you know, pay dividends long-term and it should, but like that, how, how do you go into an, an entire off season after everyone thought your play calling was so bad that you were tanking and not change it?
0: Yeah, and then roll out – I mean, I know that they drafted right for the red tackle, but you start to wonder, too. Like Losses like this make you think about Ryan Poles. They really do, and how much he knows, and how much you're confident in him making the right moves. And that's, that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> that's the scariest, because look at that offensive line. It's god-awful on Sunday, and he's supposed to
1: be to, the offensive line czar. You start to go down that route, and you just – the 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 negatives are kind of piling for him and there's a lot of stuff that is completely un uh, um, unsettled so far right there's a lot a lot ifs and maybes and like we don't knows because they're young guys but when you look at like some of the cat management stuff with like they they missed a deadline for releasing uh, Nick Foles that cost them cap space. They uh, they didn't cut a guy in time to get a comp pick. Or no, They I think they signed a guy and then ended up cutting him. Or no, it was Byron Pringle. They signed Byron Pringle, and that prevented them from getting a comp pick, like a fifth-round or sixth-round comp pick. Um, they... On top of that, Bayless, the Vellus Jones pick, which is looking yeah, like first. a giant bust, um, the trade for Chase Claypool, the Lucas Patrick signing, on top of the Byron Pringle signing, like those those were your two big free agents the previous year. This year, the Nate Davis signing with all the questions with the practice stuff. Who even knows what's going on there? Like, um, and then this defensive line, like this. It's not – I mean, Andrew Billings looked awesome. But – I and, and Gakwe got his sack. It was at a good time, too. It was, a, it was a moment where he really needed it. But, like, you're talking about four guys on a D-line – or two guys out of four starters on a D-line that wants to rotate eight. And I don't know who those other six are really right now. I mean, you hope Dexter and Pickens are them. I think they can be, but, like, there's – you just end up with a lot of quite. Like, wouldn't James Daniels be nice right now? Think yeah. James Daniels would <laughs> fit really nice right now.
0: Yeah. There's, you know, too. I mean, and I'm not going to, we don't know what Darnell Wright's going to end up being. We think he's going to be great. But, yeah, I mean, even just if you watch the Eagles at all on Sunday, just seeing what Jalen Carter can do, too. Like, I mean, the That's another thing another, that you work, you
1: know, in another I, world of level of prospect. Like you don't find guys like that ever,
0: right? And and you passed on that at a position and need, and you sit here today and we we bitch about how they only had six pressures, and you're like, well, yeah, it would have been really nice to have a guy like that, you know, something in a four yeah. three defense that could push the pocket, you know, and not have Jordan Love sit back there and have a cup of coffee. Before people get open, most likely running backs. at The point that what was Sunday, but it, I don't know, man. I you mentioned a name in there that I really want to bring up too because there's a lot of talk and there's a compilation of plays of him being on the field. Chase Claypool. That this guy, like, is it is this too early to to throw him to the to the wayside and go and mark it up as a loss of a second round pick? What do you even do with this kid? I mean, you gotta make some type of an example for the type of effort that was shown over the course of Sunday. I mean, if
1: if there is no like accountability there in some way, it could be behind the scenes that we never hear about. So like it's kind of feels kind of weird to say that, but like it it could be something that we never know about. But there needs to be some accountability there. Like he was clearly in their terms, loafing on that tape quite a bit and I'm not sure how you can review that tape with the team and not take away snaps not take away opportunities and I mean it's it's as simple as that I think like you you just can't and if you do I start to really understand why this team looks so unprepared if you're not holding your guys accountable
0: yeah it's <laughs> It, it almost feels like I wish we were all just a fly on the wall in the locker room and in that meeting and in the film room because you probably are hearing some shit, I bet. And if you're not, then you already know what the problem is, right? I mean, it's, I mean, it's a lack yeah, of this has to be It's a lack of discipline.
1: This has to be the toughest situation for any coach, like the situation that they are in right now, that like this locker room is – it is tr- – People like us and people in the media and fans, we are doing so much to try to tear this locker room down right now. Not intentionally, but just by speculation, by pure negative thoughts, negative energy, everything that comes with a loss like that. There are so many outside factors trying to tear this locker room apart right now. Like I said, unintentionally, but it's the way it is. And this is where you find out why your guys that you the head coach and they need to handle it correctly.
0: Yeah, I and too, like as a fan, as you sit there and like you watch his effort. There was more effort given by the fans on Sunday than there was from some players who were on the field. Not gonna lie. There were. I mean, we we showed up loud, we're in the stands. It was electric atmosphere from Jim Cornelson doing the National anthem, awesome moment to fly over to, you know, the game starting and and even after they had turned the ball over on on the, the third and one and then the fourth and one, we were still loud and in the in the, in the game. Like there's, it's just, I could live with losing. I can't live with the effort that we saw on Sunday. I just I I can't. And that's it's coaching. It's it's pride. It's it's accountability. All the way
1: around. Yeah, I mean, but, this is what happens when you let Marcus Webb back in the stadium.
0: <laughs> it's as simple as that. <laughs> oh man! So you talked about Andrew Billingsley. Other than him, and I know you want to talk a little bit in depth on that. Were there any? Was there anything else good about Sunday at all?
1: I mean, so Andrew Billings looked like a stone wall out there and he was tossing guys. Like, I mean, I, I really enjoyed watching him play. He he looked much more impressive than I even thought he was going to be. And I I knew that he was a good run stuffer, but like he was getting some pressure, like those six pressures, a few of them came from him. And that's usually not what you're counting on your nose tackle for. Um, And he was stuffing up runs, getting in the backfield pretty easily on run plays. Like there, were, there was a lot to really like that I saw from him. Um, aside from that, I mean, Darnell Wright had some ups and downs, but the ups were pretty darn impressive. Like he had, he showed some recovery ability that was really we haven't seen that in Chicago in a long time. A guy who can can recover from a miss block or being off balance in that kind of way and get back into position to keep maintaining the block. That was really like really encouraging to see from him. And then there were a few plays that uh, I know people aren't going to like this, but Nate Davis pancakes some guys a few times. Like there were some moments from Nate Davis that were like, okay, that I, I see that there were also some, some moments of like, well, well, shit, but I mean, <laughs> the good moments were really impressive. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, for, from the, the all 22 that I, I watched like, just like the first quarter, Lucas Patrick had some one-on-one blocks that were nice too. I mean, it was – they the first quarter, I was really impressed by the pass protection, like really impressed by it. I, I was – I was trying not to get my hopes up because I thought, you know, this might come back down. But, like, these guys are looking really good right now. Um, and then it it came back down to earth pretty quick. And the run blocking was an issue all game. I haven't really dug into what exactly the issues were rooted from outside of just a couple of early comet blocks um, that really kind of stalled stuff on the offense, unfortunately. But outside of that, the positives, I mean – D.J. Moore's two targets were good, you know. <laughs> I mean, and I mean, hey, Tremaine Edmonds was flying around. There were there were some negative plays in there, but there were a whole lot of positive plays in there too from Tremaine Edmonds, and he he looked worth the investment to me in general. Like the the few busts, but again, new guys, new chemistry, new defense. I do understand that. Like, I think the linebacking core especially is only going to get better as they get used to playing next to each other and next to the safeties behind them and the corners and understand passing off zones, passing off routes, and how they're handling different route combos. I do think that will get better. But it was nice to see Tremaine Edmonds kind of flashing
0: all over the field, even if it wasn't all good. You mentioned the offensive line a little bit is there any change you expect on that, that line? Do you think it's going to stay the same from what we saw on Sunday? Because there's a lot of talk regarding Lucas Patrick's play. I know you said you said you saw a couple good one-on-one blocks, but um, that left side was kind of brutal for a while here.
1: Yeah, I mean, Braxton Jones, he's clean up the penalties. It's as simple as that. I thought he had a pretty solid day outside of that. Um, his run blocking was almost a little – not like I was expecting better, but like I still think he was fine as a run blocker and in pass pro. I thought he played pretty well. It's just the penalties, like the penalties were really bad from him, and something that you, you know, you, you just can't really have from a guy who's, who's playing left tackle for you and supposed to be taking a jump in year two. Um, I was hoping to see a little better anchor from him as well um, in pass pro, like there, he he got walked back a few times, but like he maintained the block. So I, I mean, if you are keeping yourself between the quarterback and the, the defender and you're not hitting the quarterback and the defender can't reach him. I can't really complain about your blocking, you know? And I felt like they did a pretty good job of that for the most part, outside of a few interior, um, a few interior busts where it was just like free runner, which is the worst. Like you just can't have a, a free runner on the interior, you know, quickest line from a to B is a straight line. Like that is
0: exactly what you're given. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's hope that this is this next week is better than what we saw on Sunday. One of my final questions to YouTube before I hand back the, the microphone to you is, is, how do you get this thing turned around? It's one of of 17 games in a season now. You got to get it turned around quick. Where do you even start?
1: I mean, (laughs) it's a brutal matchup (laughs) this week, not going to lie, because it has to start with the offense. You have to be able to score. You can't win if you can't score. And – justin fields is gonna have this tampa defense is they are talented they are angry they are big they are fast and they are coming for your head like that top bowls is gonna blitz you 40 times a game if he can if he can justify it so that defense is coming for justin often i mean maybe they change it up some because of his running and spy him some more but I imagine Todd Bowles is, he was born aggressive. And he's going to stay aggressive. He's coming for you. Which, so what does that mean? That means Fields needs to recognize and deliver the football quickly, right? If you hesitate against Tampa's defense, you're sacked.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: and I had someone ask me earlier today on Twitter, well, we saw all these check downs and screens this week, but wouldn't that kind of be the way to do it against the Tampa defense? And that made me go back and look of like who has succeeded against this Tampa defense last year? Like who? Because it's the same style defense. Say it, like Todd Bowles was there, was calling the calling the defense. It was just as aggressive. A lot of the same guys, um, and the teams who really succeeded against them, it wasn't about Getting it out quick and short, like the teams who just got it out quick and short, just ended up in a rut. Right, because they're losing a yard on half of those. That they're not getting anywhere. This defense attacks. That means that they're tack that their corners are coming into attack too. And unless you're just going to force all these missed tackles, you're not going to be getting anywhere. It was the teams that focused on taking shots against the blitzes. So right? If you're sending six guys, you've got five in coverage. I'm fine in the space where I have one-on-one and I'm, I'm taking a shot play. I'm going 20 yards downfield with it. I'm getting the ball and I'm just throwing because I know there's no one else who can get to this ball except for my receiver and that one cornerback. And I'm just trusting my receiver to get there. And, you know, if that's a DJ Moore versus uh, a D Delaney, you feel pretty good about that. But it's not always gonna be. And it's not always gonna be what they're showing and what you think it's gonna be. So it's just that there's a lot on the quarterback when you're playing Tampa, and that's exactly like it's there's gonna be a lot on Justin to be able to do that and a lot on the game plan to help him out and on the running backs to be protecting for him, on the on the tight ends to be protecting for him, on the tight ends to be leaking out and selling the protection. Before they leak out, so they end up wide open. Like there, there are a lot of factors at play there, but ultimately, a lot of it's just going to be on Justin's shoulders this week, and it it's a great opportunity for him to win back a lot of uh, a lot of respect from from the fans who are having moments of doubt, like me.
0: This whole team will have opportunity on Sunday to win back a lot of fans, I think, too. I think it's yeah. obviously it's gonna fall back on Justin, but there's there's a lot of stuff going out there about effort hey, and things like that. Hopefully, Sunday's we want him the to do point.
1: it. We yeah, want him to do 100%. it. Like it just like I said earlier, you want unforgiving fans get out of Chicago because Chicago's as forgiving as it gets. Like we went a hundred some years without a World Series. We <laughs> what forty years since a Super Bowl victory. Like we we got that midwest hospitality working for us like we will forgive pretty quick if you give us reason to
0: damn right and and I hope they play aggressive next week to just play play like you got nothing to lose for this whole season why not yeah what what's what's that Michael Jordan quote I can't accept not trying like that's yeah like a model for, for this whole rest of the season. Just go out there and try. Show them. and 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 the things will fall, and the wins will fall where they may, right? That If you can put your best foot forward, they're going to beat some teams. I hope they do soon, though, man. What are they? They've lost 11 in a row now. I think it's like 11 in a row. Christ. Yeah,
1: that resets every year.
0: Yeah. <laughs> as far as I'm well, Yeah. yeah they're, <laughs> well, <laughs> It's, a, it's brutal but um I am going to preview we will be doing a pre-show of the Bears Bucks uh game for game 2 on Thursday uh 8:15 central time Bucks writer JC Allen will be joining us for the Bucks side of the uh side of the football uh we'll be talking a little bit Q I do want to throw this over to you before we get out of here any final thoughts
1: Final thought, the Rams just put up 30 on the Seahawks on Sunday with, let's see their O-line. Steve Avila, so he was a second-round pick rookie this year. Coleman Shelton, who was undrafted in 2018. Joe Noteboom, who was a third-round pick in 2018. Alaric Jackson, who was undrafted in 2021. And Rob Havenstein, who's the one proven pro on that D, on that O-line. Like, a bunch of just scrapped together. And as far as weapons go, let's see. <laughs> this should be fun, too. Van Jefferson, who's a second-round pick, late second-round pick in 2020, who I liked coming out, but, I mean, he's not a number-one receiver by any means. Tutu Atwell, who was a second-round pick, and he shouldn't have been. Weighs 165 pounds. Puka Nakua, who was a fifth round pick in 23. Ben Skoranek, who's a nice, toolsy player, but he's more of a gadget guy, seventh round pick in 2021. Like 30 points from that unit and Matt Stafford. Like there is, it can be better. The talent is there to make it work but it's on the coaches, it's on the players, it's on the game plans, it's on the organization to make it work.
0: And the proof will be in the pudding on Sunday next week. (laughs) Um, My final thought is Bears need to do something on Sunday to get a lot of this fan base off of the edge. I I really do. I think this this is a time where a, it's not good to be in the front office at all. You probably went to work the last two days, and, and it was some brutal conversations, I'm sure. I'm sure it's some brutal conversations in the locker room too. But my final thoughts are just that. Like, go out on Sunday next week and just win back some trust, man. And, and that, that goes for the whole roster. And, and leave it all out there because Chicago will always respect a team that can show up and, and at least play hard. And, and you'll win a lot of football games that way, too. But like I said earlier on, uh, we will be previewing this show or the uh, next week's show against the Buccaneers on Thursday at 8.15 Central Time. Uh, J.C. Allen will be joining us, a Bucks writer, for that side of the football. The Bears On Tap podcast is presented by On Tap Sports. Now, we are one of two Bears podcasts. Us and the Bears Nation guys do such a great job. Of covering the side disappointers. That's what I'm. That's that's my Bears team name until they can choose me or, or prove it otherwise to me. The lakeside disappointers. Um, Bulls, Bears, Hawks, Cubs, White Sox. We got to hear it all here at Ante Sports now. Make sure you're heading over to www.ontapsportsnet.com for all your sports literature needs. There you can find a bunch of articles regarding Sunday's loss and a few preview stuff looking to the Bucs. A lot of good Q stuff. Make sure you're heading over to Q's YouTube as well, doing a bunch of breakdowns. Did a breakdown for last week's game, and he just mentioned earlier on the show that he also did a breakdown and a matchup preview for this one as well. So make sure you're heading over there. To uh, get that content as well, I am juice on tap, as always, Buckets, bus, Buck Kiss Stats, Mr. Quinton over there, the man, the myth, the legend. Let's get out of here one way that we know how, man. Bear down. let go Bears. <laughs>